0: it would be a form of of hell by not conforming to god's word you know i mean that i think that's what hell is that's that is the eternal punishment is that it's it's for those people that have have agreed to not
1: conform their bodies to god's word and and his truth well welcome to c square podcast where we talk to everyday people about faith and work my name is Micah. Today my guest is Daniel Chilton. He is a husband, a father of four, been married for 20 years, a lawyer, follower of Christ, and last but not least, a Gabriel. So, how's it going, Daniel? Good, good. Excited to talk. Yeah, me too. Thanks for doing this. Um, let's start at the beginning. Okay. Tell me about how you grew up.
0: Well, um, we'll start from the very beginning, as all good stories are. But, um, you know, I, I, when you talk about family and, and upbringing, you know, we, I think every person, it's universal that we sort of reflect back on how we grow up. And I'm no exception. Um, I think it's a healthy thing to do. And I've done it quite a bit. Um, oftentimes you think of your parents and maybe your siblings, your brothers, your sisters, your family, and Christmas, you know, those sort of big holidays and the traditions that you built along the way. and You know, when you talk about that, generally speaking, uh, generally, I had a very, very happy, exciting uh, childhood growing up. Um, It's not, you know, picture perfect. It's not what um, what some would choose. But I think that our family made the best of it. Um, You know, I grew up with uh, two older brothers. They're twins. Uh, They're just generally good people. They treat people well. Uh, We learned that from our mom. Um, raising us. And uh, she was just a very kind, loving, hardworking woman.
1: So uh, you were raised by your mother? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, things happened whenever I was young, uh, before kindergarten. And, uh, you know, my my parents uh, separated, got back together, divorced uh, in a short amount of time. And so by the time I was in kindergarten, um, you know, we were with mom and, uh, and she had to work and, you know, she didn't have uh, a college education. And so she worked her tail off and she taught us the importance of being a provider as men in particular, being a provider and, uh, and the importance of hard work, you know, um, She would sprinkle in some Christianity, uh, none of it really Orthodox, but probably things that she learned along the way whenever she was young in Christ, uh, young in her marriage, um, you know, and and just kind of of try to uh, make the best or give us the best life that she could afford, which was not a lot, but she could certainly um, make the best of it, you know, just by giving us herself, giving us her time and and and, uh, and teaching us how to be uh, sons and um, just members of our community. She didn't know that she was doing it when she was teaching yeah. us, but she was certainly teaching us lessons along the way. And it's ones that I would now teach my kids. Hmm.
1: So were you then, were you like raised in the church or?
0: No, um, we were just raised uh, as we saw fit, you know, just kind of growing up with each other um really never letting family um get too distant from each other you know i mean that's kind of our community that's who we clung to we moved around a lot mm-hmm. mom was always uh you know in search of a job that would pay just a little bit more to help us out and um you know along the way she uh kind of would get married and maybe be with the man for 5 6 years and then um, divorce, um, and then maybe do it again. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that she was just at the time she was trying to, I mean, it was very hard. I mean, it was very, very hard raising three boys that were disobedient and loud and were boys, right? I mean, we were, we were the uh, perfect example of what a growing up boy is. Um, which is needing discipline, and that's where a father comes in. But mm-hmm. but we didn't have that. We had our um, we had our heavenly father. Um, that while we were not followers of him at the time, um, we were still his children, and he would teach us, and he would bring scripture to our memory that we didn't even you know go to church to hear. Maybe we heard it from a family. I have no idea how it was in us, but it was, mm-hmm. um, and still is today. But it would. You know, thing his comforting spirit would be with us, as difficult as as you know some nights would be. Um, you know, not having a father figure, especially now being a father, um, shows me looking back what it was that you know that what normal should have been. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, but again, I don't want to dishonor my mom or even my dad, who we have a a great relationship right now with. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a distant relationship because I'm in Texas and he's in Kentucky. So there's still some distance there. But, you know, to see the Lord restore that over the years. And I'm sure we'll maybe touch on that a little bit because that's a story in and of itself. Mm -hmm. But just kind of bringing that restoration um, to really kind of heal that old wound that never really, um, left. I, I found ways to become distracted by, you you know, not having a father. Um, but, but growing up, becoming one actually helped heal that. And then, um, and, and then reaching out to dad and, um, trying to restore that. And then having God restore that was something, has been very special as well. Just another way to kind of live a whole life, you know, try to yeah. restore relationships, not let things just kind of hang out there.
1: That's great. So to go on, not really raised in the church. Uh, when did you first start like exploring spirituality or religion?
0: Um, it was kind of on and off growing up whenever I was young. Got serious. Um, I won't talk about the on and off because it just means I was being inconsistent. Um, when I started to really learn and change was around 17. Um, that's, that's an interesting story. Uh, so I hadn't talked to dad in about probably 10 years, maybe. Um, and he calls my mom just randomly, or maybe my mom called him. I was thinking about going into the Air Force. That's what it was. I was thinking about going into the Air Force mom called dad, dad called me. He, he's military drill sergeant, talked me out of it. Um, and he didn't talk me into anything. He just talked me out of something. So that didn't really help, but, uh, but it was in God's plan because he invited us to come see him, uh, over uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, this was, I'm 40 now. So this was when I was 17. So 23 years ago um and we did my brothers and i and by the way i also have a a another sister on my mom's side and then a sister and a brother on my dad's side so um my sister and my brother on my dad's side while i love them i just don't know they don't know me right aside from uh maybe some random uh, you know texts our lives just did not intertwine or grow up around each other so okay as as you probably know once you hit 20 maybe 25 your life is kind of our if you find a wife or if you find you know your life is kind of settled at that point you're not going to create these new massive you know family relationships it's just it's going to kind of hit a straight shot from there on you raising your own family and so we never really um stayed close although we, we love each other and they're always there we just don't have a relationship. And then my, my sister on my mom's side, she's a sister of me. I mean, she always has been, always will be. Um, we're we're close. I care deeply for her. I care about you know, we've played with her um, now ex husband, you know, you know him very well. We played D and D with him and yeah. um, you know, and so there was a connection there, there was an intentional connection, holidays we would make sure to go see her, you know, things like that. So anyway, so growing my brothers and I Uh, twins, Uh, we uh, drove down to dad's uh, one Christmas Eve. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like that moment where it's very weird, uncomfortable, but you know that it has to happen and you see each other for the first time, you know, and, and there's just a little bit of a pause and dad just gets this smile on his face and opens up his, you know, arms and a hug for all of us and thinking that we were still little boys again, you know, but we're were men at this yeah. time. And, and so it wasn't him hugging us. It was, you know, all of us hugging each other. And um, my brothers and I uh, enjoyed our time with them, just catching up, talking about childhood, um, never really talking about the important stuff that one day will come up. But um, we just kind of caught up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, small talk with, yeah. with your dad, which is kind of awkward, you know, but that's a way that you can enter into that important relationship. And so that night we, um, it's midnight, and we're talking, talking, talking. I mean, just all night, we're just talking. He's sharing the Lord. I mean, he is—he's an evangelist at heart. He's an evangelist. Even when he was young, he—he um, he was at heart a charismatic evangelist. And it goes to show you that God can use anybody because <laughs> uh, he. You know, he messed up, and admittedly, he would say that. And I don't want to dishonor him; he would admit that. Um, and uh, and so, but God never made me blame God. You know, my my meaning that Dad, I could have said, "Dad, you as a evangelist, as a traveling evangelist, you represented God's kingdom, and and your actions um, left a trail of cinders for the next." 10 years on my mom trying to make it work for a family, right? Yeah. But none of that bitterness set in, none of that anger set in. And I believe that that was a blessing from the Lord because it, it could have on on yeah. uh, for any reason, right? For, for much less than that. Uh, and so, you, you know, I say that generally I had a very happy childhood, very much so, but I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's very challenging to grow up With divorced parents, you know, your purpose in life is becomes blurry. Your identity becomes upside down, you know, to where you have to figure it out or you you'll you'll have some serious issues. And that's just a natural. There's no lying about it. That's going to happen, at least for me, you know. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah. Uh, So hearing. So being with him that night um, with my brothers, we're all sleeping on the floor. He's kind of on the bed leaning over, reading um, Isaiah 40 and, and Isaiah, uh, the prophecies of Christ, you know, because it's Christmas. And so it was kind of on, on our mind. And But I was not a Christian. I, that was the furthest thing from me. Um, the only Christ that I would even get was, I, um, at the time, for a couple of years, I was a dishwasher um, and a cook eventually at this retirement home. And there was this group, there there was this group of girls um, who were Christians and uh, they were the part-time servers that were my age, you know, and the the only interaction I had with them was making, kind of making fun of them, you know, um, like calling them weak or, you know, this is a crutch or, or other things, you know, just, I didn't know any better. Um, and so that was my exposure, really just a very you know, more of a poking fun, not really paying attention. But I mean, the, the girls were very gracious. You know, they were good models of Christ, you know, especially one of them. Um, you know, she was just always very kind. Um, but, uh, so, uh, so I'm there with, with dad. And so I don't really have any animosity towards dad. I don't really have any animosity towards God. I'm not, I wasn't in a bad mood at the time when he was talking with us. And, and so I think the Holy Spirit just lit me up like opened my eyes to who he actually was. And I I didn't have, you know, ultimate knowledge at that point. Still don't, I didn't, you know, fully understand, you know, the core fundamental beliefs of Christianity, but I did have faith that Jesus died for my sins and that he is King Jesus. And that my belief in him uh, gives me uh, through Christ's blood, eternal life. And that, Sparked a purpose in my life for the first time, hmm. and um, it also opened up reason and logic because for the first time in my my brain had to start working through how to um, approach and pursue purpose in my life, and so reason, logic, logos started to come alive in, in me on trying to seek it. So I kind it kind of um, shoots me forward on trying to take life a little bit more serious. I start reading scripture. Um, you know, I go back home, I, I start spreading as much knowledge that I knew with these girls that I knew were Christians and, um, and they knew their Bible. I mean, they knew their Bible, which was impressive. Um, one of them, Amy, the, the one that was always kind, I, I was, I was still annoying her. I, I had a girlfriend at the time I was, I would always kind of like pull on her apron, Um, or flick water on her or shake her hand when my hand was, you know, completely soaked in water for washing dishes for four hours, you know, stuff like that. But she continued to, you know, she thought that it was interesting that I, that the Daniel she once knew was now a believer because she was a believer her entire life. She grew Her her parents were devout Christians. Um, They helped start churches. Right. I mean, that's the sort of, just your um, your symbol of a strong community person. That was their family. So anyway, I, I know I'm, I'm going on and on, just uh, telling the story. But but you know that's kind of that, that's how I
1: was first um, awoken. I'm just I'm really amazed that you didn't actually like. Well, I mean, it's obviously the Holy Spirit working, but I'm it's. Fascinating and interesting that, you know, you heard the gospel from your absent father and didn't immediately like lash out and reject, you know, because that seems like, you know, it seems almost like the height of hypocrisy, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and most people would expect you to not want anything to do with him. Or his God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I call that God's grace, uh, not to water down grace, but God gave me an understanding and, and patient and kind and forgiving heart before I even knew it. Mm-hmm. So that was God's grace that gave me that. Um, I, I had a, the, the right approach to it, the right heart, without knowing the right thing to do. And so that was God's grace. Um, I thought back on it quite a bit, you know, because it's a pivotal time in your life. And yeah. and oftentimes when, as Christians, we share each other's testimony to to share evidence of God's goodness and grace. Um, so uh, that's why we share our testimony. So I've had to recount this one in particular because it was kind of a pivotal point that had yeah. me to, to consider and to open my eyes, you know, at the same time. And so anyway, um, yeah, yeah, it's kind of ironic. Uh, Certainly ironic, but it would have been even more of a hypocrite of me if I claimed to be a Christian to not forgive him. And I see that with some Christians that they hold, you know, maybe some unforgiveness, maybe even with their parents, you know, and so that is a form of one. It's not Christian. um, So you're acting in a non-Christ like way. Uh, So that's very dangerous. Uh, But. You know, it's a sense of, of of hell when you choose not to reconform the way that you think or should think according to God's word. And I didn't even know it because I didn't read it. So it was by God's Holy Spirit through his grace that he taught me this. But it would be a form of of hell by not conforming to God's word. You know, I mean, that I think that's what hell is. That's That is the eternal punishment is that it's it's for those people that have have agreed to not conform their bodies to God's word and, and his truth. And since it's written on our hearts, we don't have to memorize the Bible. Right. I he gave me grace to do the right thing in the right moment, which changed my life for the better. I mean, it turned me around a complete 180. I was. So the week after Christmas, I was set up to do a double rave. If you know what this is, if you know what raves are, they're back in the 90s, you know, house music, techno, trance. At the time, it was John Digweed and Sasha and those guys, and they were they were still some of the best DJs around. And, and so I still like, you know, EDM, or we just called it house music or techno Back then, now it's a plethora of things: drum and bass. You know, you can go down and progressive, add that in there. You know, minimal, uh, minimal techno, German. You know, and so, um, so the next week I was to go to a rave. I uh, do a double rave. I was supposed to DJ one and then uh, do a rave, and I was DJing in Louisville and then going driving to Lexington the next night or the next morning to, to do. You know, and and so not necessarily Christ-likeness there and um, that stuff. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, but there's a reason why uh, why you know uh, responsible people don't continue to do that. So anyway, I uh, became a Christian, and then so I still went. And for the first time, I shared the gospel with everyone I could see at this uh, in, in Louisville, and then decided not to go to the one in Lexington. So it changed my heart. It was a 180 to, that I knew, I didn't even know the right answers, but once again, God's grace was leading me on the right path at that time. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it shows you that had I been bitter and chosen to go towards anger, because I thought that that's what he deserved because that's how a normal person would judge, you know, their father, their absent father, yeah. um, because that's how I would judge him. So harshly, I would have lost out on life because yeah. I probably wouldn't have believed at another time. Maybe I would have, but, um, the reason why this is such a critical point is that, um, the lady, the woman, cause she was a woman, that walked with me um, as I was becoming a Christian became my fiance to become my wife, and she to this day just loves the Lord, and she's an example to me on on what it what it means to be a man of God. As a woman, she's an example to me
1: on what it means to be a man of God. Yeah. This is that uh, the person you were annoying in the uh, yeah. dishwasher.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, first time we met, my mom introduced her, us because my mom was uh, the the executive director over this retirement home. And so, of course, that's how I got the job at you know 15 at the time. I think it was in washing dishes. Well, one day she goes, oh, we just there's this um, uh, girl that works here. Her name is Amy. Out of everyone, she's like, you got to meet her. You just get there's something special about her. And she introduced us. And when she did, I mean, I had the clammiest hands. If you've washed dishes for, you know, six hours at a time from breakfast into pre-dinner, your hands get so clammy that um, you can't even dry them off. I mean, it's just, you just have to wait till you go to sleep to get them wow. reset, you know. Anyway, so that's how I introduced myself to her with, you know, those clean hands with food all over it because I didn't even, you know, I was just a boy. But, uh, but you know, she stuck around. Uh, and, uh, she made my life a lot better. I know that. You know, so. so you guys met when you were 17? Uh, we were 16 when we met. We okay. started dating when I was 17, when, after I
1: became a, a believer. Okay. Yeah. So met at 16, dating at 17. When did you guys? Start? Married
0: when we were 18. No, I'm joking. That would have been Not that be, good no. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were married when we were 20. Okay. Um, so, uh, we knew, we knew that. We wanted to. We knew what we wanted. We both knew that. Which to this day, that's one of our personality traits. And um, so we, I did the traditional thing and asked her parents. Oh, so I'm skipping ahead a little too much. So this was another pivotal sort of grown-up moment. You know, you you have to grow up pretty fast when you want to be in a serious relationship. And uh, Amy's parents, who I watched like a hawk, once I became. A believer and I started coming around their house, I watched them like a hawk because for the first time in my life, even from my other friends, I got to witness Christian husband and wife. Mm. And, um, and the way that they interacted together was, um, like something I've never seen. You know, there was hierarchy, there was order, but there was love, kindness, sacrifice. There was work, you know, I mean, it was just a very peaceful home. And, um, you know, I grew up in a very loving home, and that was a loving home, too, that they had. Mine was very, very loving. We were very close, but we didn't have hierarchy and order, you know, mm-hmm. and or, or at least the order that we had, we had to make, a, a single mom and yeah. children had to make. We plus, didn't have... Less than
1: optimal, basically. Yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, um, but I see this, and I see them, and, th- you know, they just because they they do the right things doesn't mean they had a perfect family either. I I see them struggle, um, and, and they do it well. And, and I, as I saw them struggle, I was once again, just taking notes, you know, just saying, okay, how should I respond? And and so anyway, so, uh, so surprise, surprise, you know, in-laws now, we're still very close. They're fantastic people. So I still look to, um, Keith as my mentor and, and as, as a father figure, um, and, and how to be a dad and, and watch him what to do when you retire. And, you know, he's still that example in my life. Um, which is good. And, uh, so her mom, uh, so this is going back when I was 18, her mom saw that we were getting serious. Like I was starting to ask to go out on dates, you know, things like that. And, um, And I was starting to tuck my shirt in while I was around them. You know, I I started to present myself like I wanted to, you know, to show them that I could I could be decent, you know. And uh, and so one day, uh, you know, she just pulled me aside and she said, if you want to date my daughter or to continue to date my daughter, you will have to become the spiritual head. And I thought, what do you mean? you know and uh (laughs) but i couldn't i couldn't say that i couldn't say well what do you mean i said okay and then i went back and i was like what in the world does that mean and so (laughs) that started plugging me in with other men through our church because i'm not going to go to her dad you know that would be awkward and say honey um so that started plugging me in so it started giving me purpose like and it started to teach me. i started being motivated to figure out what does it mean to be a husband. And, and seeking out that truth and trying to figure that out. So And and we had a fantastic church. That's another story. So I, I get back from Christmas. I tell my mom that I, I want to follow Jesus. So she says, go to church with me. So I say, okay, we go to the church across the street in a high school where we go. And sure enough, Amy and her parents are there. And we just kind of look at each other. Like, what are you doing here? What you well, apparently this is one of the churches that they planted and helped build. And, and it was kind of meeting in the, in the high school. And so she was there. So we sat together and, and that was weird because I didn't know it at the time, but I was the first, Amy didn't have a boyfriend before me. And so for her to sit by me, some kid, I'm, I'm no longer a punk kid, but I'm still a kid, you Yeah, know? um, some kid that is sitting, I had no clue. What I was in for—absolutely no clue. Thank God, <laughs> because I would have—I would have chickened out, you know. But uh, you know, you could little little by little, you
1: can build a name. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. That's like a great example of like you finding stuff on your own, but also some things bringing some, you know, things or people being brought into your life to kind of shore up the gaps. So not having like a standard, yeah, you know, family. You know, mom, dad, and all that sort of thing. Right, right. Yeah, it's not let go and let God.
0: You know, I think that we can become too passive sometimes. If we pray about it, then we should be doing something. We just shouldn't forget about it and move on. If I didn't, if I just prayed about how to be a husband, you know, oh, dear Lord, please you know, show me how to be a husband in your word. That would only take me so far. Yeah. Then we have to actually start getting into community together. You can, you, you need to give an excuse to the older men to perform, you know, the first Peter and the Titus of the older men passing down wisdom to the younger men. That is how Christian community thrives. Yeah. And that's what happened. And they took a kid that had no background on how to be a dad or how to be a husband.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now that is how I define that You know, that gives me, and by definition, meaning purpose, like that's my drive that allows me to be a good worker, you know, uh, that allows me to be a good friend because, and and I I know I'm talking about it strongly. I don't want to ever water down the foundation of Christ. Right. I mean, this, my, my husbandry and my, um, my being a father are built on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his teachings. Right. And so I can't build anything except unless it's on that foundation. But so when I speak about it so highly, it's, it's not in any way, you know, not honoring the foundation
1: that it's built on. Yeah. Yeah. That's great.
0: So anyway, um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's all, that's all uh, for that one. I, I can't think of a segue for it. So, so
1: okay. So now you are 21 getting married um, you know, university is in there somewhere. Um, yeah, it's in there somewhere. You know,
0: it was, it was not the um, highlight of, of my life. It's not a highlight in my life that maybe a college experience would be for others. Hmm. So because I was married young, uh, at 20, I was a sophomore in college. Already... I was working full time at um, at a bank uh, and they were great, just the perfect job for a college student and, and a young professional too um, for that and, and a professional because I continued on with them. But um, so I was working at a bank, they helped me pay tuition. And so I would, I would go to um, school, um, you know, 16 credit hours or however much a full um, uh, semester was. And then I would work from five p.m. to 11, 11 p.m., um, just about every day. Uh, and, yeah. so, and so that was as a collector. So you're calling people on the phone. Hi, this is so-and-so from Bankity Bank. Uh, you're three months past due. You know, I see that, et cetera, et cetera. And that's how you... Could, that developed thick skin for me. That was, I think, my not my favorite job, but that was for the time the best job i could have got even better than being a dj uh, because that's more of a passion and a pleasure versus a life skill that i actually learned you know and so and the life skill was how you treat people and how you speak to people especially when they're in a downtime and they don't want to talk to anybody you can be you can teach them by keeping their word and their responsibility to pay a debt regardless of the excuse that it's important for them to be responsible, and and that constantly, and now you couldn't speak direct, that directly to everybody, right? But that would reinforce the importance for me to be responsible, you know, if I was going to say that. So, so that was um, so school really wasn't a defining thing, you know, it because it was just a tool that I needed to get me to the next level. So I'm not going to make it more than what it actually is or was. Uh, I just used it for what I knew was needed in the game. And so um, so finance and economics, uh, double majored. Uh, I love economics. Finance is because I just didn't know what else to do. Um, I wanted to be a psychiatrist, but my, uh, my future mother-in-law um, pulled me aside and said, You don't want to be a psychiatrist. Hmm. And I thought, well, why? But again, as a child, I didn't, I didn't always ask why. And so I said, okay, what is it? And she goes, think about it, but not a psychiatrist. Apparently she was, she was right because she knew the, as a believer, the, the trials that, that I would have to go up against and think about, you know, I can, I know that she was doing it in the, you know, with the right intentions probably was the best thing um, considering um, how it ended or how it continues. Um, But even today I have a big interest in psychology and kind of how it pairs with uh, Christianity because our world treats psychology as a religion, you know, almost as truth. And so it's good to read that and parallel it with actual truth with, you know, with, psychological theory to see how close it can actually get, you know, that's pretty interesting to do. Um, but anyway, um, so that was school, uh, after school, um, I went back into school, to, uh, for law school, went to night school there, worked full time at the same bank, um, went to night school. Uh, that was an interesting time. My wife and I, we didn't, after we got married until I got out of, uh, law school, um, we didn't see each other. All we did was work and go to school. And uh, we had our first child when we were 25. And uh, just that, of course, I mean, as you know, that changes everything. Yeah. You you have a, a kid, and it's like, okay, I need to get out of school. I need to get a job that I can actually start providing for my family. Uh, you know, we know that Amy at the time was working at the bank with. At the bank with me, and uh, it, you know, it it was the perfect job for the situation that we were in. I mean, it just took care of us. It did exactly what we needed because uh, we would get to see each other because we never got to see each other at night because I'd always be at school or I would be yeah. studying, and so we would get to see each other at lunch and we could see each other for an early dinner and we would catch up and then we would do it all Let's over see. again.
1: <laughs> how many like how
0: many years did that go on? Separate so, it was, uh, I mean, seven years, uh, four Jeez. years for undergrad, three years for law school. Jeez.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I, we got married at 21 and 22. Um, she's just a little bit older than me, just nine months or so. so. Same thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: It's four months for
1: okay. a married older woman. Yeah. So, she was um, born in the same year, yeah. but. So yeah. so, yeah, we got married young, but we waited until we finished school because we had seen a lot of people who got, couldn't wait and got married sophomore year, junior year, and then they never finished, never got their degree. Mm-hmm. So, like, five years later, they were living in a crappy apartment, doing, like, one class a semester, Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. they never really got there, you know, got there. So, her yeah. parents were, her parents and my parents, too, were like, all right, you guys are young, because we started dating, we were like seventeen or not eighteen. We were both eighteen, I think. And they're they're like, you guys need to make sure that you finish your degree before. Yeah. And yeah, and that that was good for us because it put like constraints, time constraints. Yes. On our, yes. On our progression. Yeah, That's it's right.
0: not just you're forever a student,
1: and you'll
0: yeah. somehow make that transition. It's like.
1: And I've thought about doing more schooling, and I just can't. I can't face the thought of. Yeah, spending however many more years and doing that right. while having a family—that like would just be—that would be too much. That'd be insane for me, anyway.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially when uh, when you start developing other interests, it's like, how are you going to be? You can't be a perpetual student plus a family man plus yeah. a hard worker. I mean, your body, or a good husband. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's not enough. There's not enough strength. There's not enough motivation, you know. Um, yeah, they're just. I'm speaking from my, you know, me personally. I just couldn't. There's no way. This not part, for that amount. You only have so much like
1: uh, bandwidth.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why when you're young, it's good to get all the hard stuff out of the way. Yeah, marriage is hard stuff too. So I would, I would, I'm teaching my kids that if it's the right person, marry it it doesn't, there's no, there's no rules, you know? I mean, you can, uh, well, there, there are rules yeah, uh, to say. and there's, there's, some. there's laws <laughs> and then there's rules, my rules, you know? And, but mm-hmm. the good thing is, is, and I teach my daughters this, I mean, all the time. It's the great thing about being a father, especially the daughters is that you can tell them that it's okay to bring a guy and introduce him to me. I trust you. I completely trust you. And yeah, you're not always going to get every guy right. That's perfectly fine. And I'll let you know that. Um, and, and we can talk through it. And and I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to tear them down. But I it makes an excuse to have a discussion with your children. And But I need them to know that I trust their decision making because I've taught them and I've seen them along the way to obey certain things. And I've seen them make the right decisions. And so why would I make them uncomfortable for being, you know, for, for being confident and being able to date someone now none of my kids date right now you know they're from 16 to 11 years old um they have time but they have plenty of later, later you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly for much later Uh-oh. maybe but but not too because i think getting married young was a huge blessing for me yeah. we were able to one that we even knew each other from but that's normally how it is you know you have a high school or an early college normally i'm not saying for everyone and then you decide to keep testing the waters and if you didn't test the waters maybe things would have been a little different but anyway um i so i'm teaching them that uh, this is what you look for in a man this is what you look for in a woman uh and and if you find it and they're interested as well and you can support yourself, you know, and you guys are serious, it's your life. It's up to you. And we'll be here to shepherd you and to, to continue to teach you and continue to remove our hands as you're getting older and older and you show responsibility. Yeah. You know, just kind of, it's your life to live. I'm not going to make those decisions. I couldn't bear that
1: weight if I, if I was wrong. So good luck to you. Yeah. Godspeed. Yes. You go as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any, so we're kind of shaped by, you know, our experiences, right? Uh, yeah. Especially childhood. <clears throat> uh, is there anything that you have done either, anything you've taken from your upbringing, either good for good or for ill, like as either a positive example or a negative example that has changed or shaped how you are parenting your four kids? Cause you've got mostly teenagers, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything that's, that's stuck around from your know, yeah, learned? Yeah.
0: Um, you know, my mom is a lover of people. And that really rubbed off on us, on all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. So we were in, we didn't have a lot of money. Uh, there would be times that I would save my lunch money, not eat so i could go to the arcade or something like that you know at least we had money i mean that was that was nice we weren't you know but so um but i would go without lunch frequently um every year summertime as it is right now school would in all the kids would go to ymca we loved it mom would drop us off on, on our way to work and that was our babysitter basically and it was just just so fun. So fun. I mean, it taught us how to be social and interactive. And it, mm-hmm. uh, and we would play. my brothers and I would still play together. So one day, um, you know, after uh, the YMCA, mom took us to Burger King and got us meals. And there was a kid there sitting and he was, he wasn't eating, he was watching his other friends eat. And, you know, most people would just look at that and say, they wouldn't give it a second thought, but mom loves people. And that shows in everything she does. That's how I can say she loves people. Yeah. Um, she does it. And uh, she saw this boy, didn't even ask him, but knew the situation, bought him a combo meal, brought it back to him, set it down. And then mm. uh, he said, I mean, he looked at her like, thank you, ma'am. Thank you. And she just kind of like squeezed his shoulder and came down, sat down with this. And, but that has, that has, taught, that was so important to me that I must have done that twenty times with my kids now, and and I tell and I don't let that lesson just be ignored. I then translate that lesson into, this is how Christ loves us. You know, I it's just you think that it's random, but no, 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 these acts are very intentional. You know, and um, and uh, and they're purposeful. Right. Like this this is how Christians love each other, and this is how Christians can also love someone they don't even know. And yeah. and and so that was a big, a big thing. I mean, because it taught me the the essence of uh, paying
1: attention and loving people. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned law school, so you you are a lawyer. So you've gone from. I'd say relatively humble beginnings. Um, you know, raised by a single mom. I think we both had. I had. I had both parents, but we had moments where it was like, "What did you get for Christmas?" I got these awesome mittens. <laughs> what else? Nothing. I got mittens. You know, it's fantastic Christmas. I can go outside in the snow without my feet or my hands getting cold. Um, and I think that was my favorite Christmas still to this day. But uh, you know, like you, you grow up and then you maybe don't have a lot like you have enough food probably most of the time but kind of you know, yeah. sort of poor maybe lower middle class or somewhere in there and then now you're a lawyer with four kids of your four kids of your own lovely wife beautiful house how many dogs? Lots of dogs
0: yeah too many <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I give them chicken bones and not for their delight <laughs> uh oh we're gonna get people calling us so um how how do you i mean it's it's a really interesting story and like a remarkable story of god's grace that you got from where you were to now where you to where you are now
0: mm.
1: yeah. and it's really cool like you could see god's hand kind of in that
0: yeah a- certainly um most definitely certainly um you know, and along the way too is you get to experience uh, you know, meeting people and, and continuing business relationships with people that you look up to even to this day that I still get to work with today um, and highly admire. You know, um, that you you get to I, when I started as a, as an attorney. You know, uh, my my first mentor essentially uh, as an attorney was. Um, someone I still work with today and still look up to him. And so, you know, you have in any profession, lawyer or otherwise, um, you have the opportunities to grow the and meet um, people and build these relationships that can turn, you know, um, good to allow you to provide for your family. And, um, and and I think that's the that's the lesson in it that y- You know, yeah, you got to work hard, and yeah, you definitely have to be smart and innovative if you want to be an entrepreneur or whatever the field is. Those are givens to kind of move forward. Can you can you have the relationship and sustain those relationships, or do you burn every single important bridge that the Lord sends you to be able to build something? You know, Um, and and so that's another lesson that I'm teaching my kids uh, is that you know, you, yes, working hard is a given, you know, you working hard consistently is required and that's a given, but can you build relationships with other people, even people that you don't like because you never know, you might end up loving them, right? Like really, really enjoying doing life with them, you know? And so you can't, you can't burn bridges. And a lot of times these uh, these people that you look up to and admire, they invite you in and you get to start to see how they think and they do business. And it—and if you're sharp and you're smart and you pay attention, I mean, that pays for itself 10 times over, you know, whatever that requires, whether it's you going to see them or whatever. But it's an investment. And and if you, you know, it, if, if you cut it off, then it's done.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So it's, it's almost sounds a bit, I know you're not doing it this way, almost a bit pragmatic in the sense that people are an investment too. Like the relationships you have yeah. in your life are, Christians would say, important things to be stewarded. You know?
0: That's why I love being a Christian because the whole teaching of Christ is how to love people. Like that's, that's the Christians, that is their foundation. I, I mean, it's the second commandment is to love your brother as you love yourself. Um, And then the other one being the most important, to love God with all your being. And so those are loving others, but not yourself. So it doesn't, it's in the teachings not to be so self-centered. Nobody likes to be self-centered. No one likes to be around selfish people, you know, Um, unless they're rich and then they just can buy you stuff and then you just put up with them, you know? But (laughs) it's like, who wants to be that guy where people just want to, put up with. So why not care for people, you know, and invest in their life and maybe teach them something that gives them an an answer to a mystery that they have had for a while. Mm -hmm. Just like dad answered the mystery of who God is when he read scripture to me, you know, that was a mystery up until my life till I was 17. And then he gave me the answer. Uh, But if he was silent, you know, even with a broken relationship, yeah. As long as he wasn't silent and he gave a little, you know, he did something, yeah. and and that was the fruit. He stepped out because I wouldn't have. I would have continued
1: my life not having him in it.
0: But he reached out. He broke through, and well, and it taught
1: of, me something. A lot of people, I feel like, in his shoes, might have hesitated to you know open up the Bible and share for fear of being rejected or um, you know <laughs> viewed as a hypocrite.
0: Not, not dad, not dad. Dad is so sold out for Christ that he, I mean, it's just who he is. Like, it's just who he is. And so he wouldn't doubt. He, now he would, um, and he still does. He still struggles with rejection. If I don't call him enough, he's going to feel rejected and kind of mope a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't intend to disrespect that. That's in that's in a joke, but, um, you know, yeah, uh, he still struggles with that, but not. He'll never reject the identity of Christ. He might be scared to call me because he thought he thought that maybe he upset me or something, and so he just uh, maybe Dan doesn't want to talk to me. I say no. That's. That's not truth that's a lie but Mm -hmm. so he might believe that but um he wouldn't believe that
1: that he shouldn't open the word and share it because he does that Mm. constantly which i love but constantly yeah but i mean how different would your life be if he hadn't said anything
0: um yeah it would have been much different i know it would have um much much different Because Amy probably wouldn't have given me the time of day. No, 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 no. She wouldn't have have given me the time of day. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. And then if I wasn't serious, she wouldn't have continued to to pay attention to me. Yeah. You know, and and thankfully, I was aware that, and so some might say, well, you just did it for her. I'm like, who knows our motivations? We're complex. I'm sure there was motivation in there, but there was also some motivation that I that I didn't really understand too much, and that was to, to seek out God.
1: Yeah, he uses instruments, He uses means. Yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, he uses pretty girls sometimes. Gorgeous girls and <laughs> woman. She was a woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so cool. That is really cool. Yeah. I mean, and like just seeing the the narrative structure right there is interesting. Like the, you know, how even when you weren't in church your mom might maybe wasn't in church consistently you know was maybe struggling with how to raise because I, I have one son mm-hmm. who's two and insane uh, in a great way um, and I can't imagine having three boys on my own mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. let alone if I was if it was reversed or like my, if my wife had three boys on her yeah on her own um,
0: Mom's a special person. Uh, she certainly has been blessed with many special gifts um, and that's how she does it. And she uses those gifts even to these day, to, to this day to teach younger women. She's taught me how to retire. Right? She taught me how to work. She's taught me how to retire. Well, I mean, she's just, she's an example. She's an example of Christ's grace in this world. And yeah. so as believers, we see these other examples whether it's pastors or elders or parents, kind of these people in authority, you know, and, and there's a reason why we should honor those positions. There's due honor given just by the fact of having those positions, obviously, you know, and then there's people then can act that way and they might dishonor the position, but the position itself should remain honorable. And so that's why mom has shown me so well on what it means to keep an honorable position as, as an elder or a senior citizen, you know, in the, in a community, because she just, she gives so much. She lives close by as, as you know, you know, both the grandparents, once we had kids, both grandparents kind of moved real close. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, and that's been a, a huge blessing, just getting to remain in contact with your in-laws, with your parents, Mm-hmm. And having a relationship with them, I mean, we're they're Christians, so I can ask them questions, you know, about certain things that I don't quite understand. And so again, it just keeps that relationship and connection going across generations. Which, as you're raising kids, you know, <laughs> how difficult that is to have their help has yeah, that'd be nice has been really nice. Yeah, That's great. I mean and and so that then builds a foundation so i think about me growing up you know and and our foundation was very strong by god's grace but our foundation was each other you know but then i look at my life and the foundations that we've set up for our children you know through strong parents um and parenting through strong grandparents through thriving you know uh friends of of the kids through through kind neighbors, you know, uh, the foundation that we've been able to, to provide and work for, for the, for our kids, you know, that's every parent's dream, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so to just to appreciate that, to see it and appreciate that I think is um, important.
1: Yeah. There, There are a few things you were saying earlier. You talk about hierarchy and order. And I think the way you were talking, referring to hell, it sounds a lot like Jordan Peterson. Are you a uh, Peterson fan?
0: Um, I am. Uh, I I listen to him for sure. Um, I don't know if I'm a fan fan, because because um, he doesn't talk about Christ too much. You know, he doesn't. He, whereas uh, now Matthew Pajot and Jonathan Pajot, I watch them very. Hard. Very much. Because I can connect with them. I understand what they're saying. And they are fantastic teachers because there's also a lot that I don't understand. Jordan talks over my head. or Dr. Peterson talks over my head. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to disrespect that. Um, But I mean, he's been instrumental in my life. He's um, kind of caused me another level to grow up, you know, to take to be to take it a little bit more serious what it means to be a man. Um, what it means to be a friend, um, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be you know, a dad, uh, because I, I thought I was taking it serious. But then he kind of came in, and you know how he does. I mean, he just, from a psychological level, he just breaks it down, and it makes so much sense. He, in, in fact, inserts, and he does, he inserts Christian theology as well as, he just inserts theology into logic. And that's what has helped me become a stronger Christian, become a, you know, just a, 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 a hopefully a stronger man in the community, you know, uh, for my for my little community church, you know, neighborhood, uh, community, you know. And so he kind of taught me the importance of what it means, you know, to just once you can take be, take care of the responsibilities on an individual level, and then you can on a family level then reach out and start being involved in on the community level as well and that is hierarchy that is a that is a form of hierarchy of take continuing to take on yeah. m- more and more responsibility
1: it's kind of like the make your bed meme or it's, i mean it's you start doesn't mean but yeah. you have to take responsibility what you can then you expand your right. of words right yeah
0: exactly exactly and and I do make my bed even though it's hard but that is a principle that first kicks off the day to be intentional and to be uh, you know to create order out of chaos that's what we're called to do yeah uh, and uh, especially and in, in, as we go into our jobs you know a lot of it is chaotic. And so our jobs are to systemize a sort of order and structure, which creates a hierarchy. And so, yeah, he's helped a lot. So fan, fan, I'm talking about it like I'm a fan, fan, but uh, (laughs) I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, But I'm critical and I'm very cautious of his words because of his um, religious beliefs, because I'm not. He could be a Christian. I don't know. And, and honestly, it's not my business either. Uh, he could also lie to the world and say he's a Christian and talk about Christ and and deceive people. And he's not doing that. And so that's respectful as well.
1: Anyway. It's like, I've heard it described before um, something with the effect of he's he's like so smart that he can't believe. like there's a, Maybe there's a level of intellectual... No, Um, I don't believe that. No,
0: not in that sense.
1: uh, Because we're not even
0: touching how smart people can be. He's smart, but he's relatively smart. But, I mean, think about the buildup of, uh, yeah, think about what technology could do to help us to learn and understand, you know, which is a dangerous subject to begin with. In fact, talking about um, artificial intelligence, for example, Um, Mm And I know that Neuralink and what they're doing, have, I'm a fan of Elon's, uh, Elon Musk, and I think that he is uh, just a, a fantastic human being to uh, be able to support the freedom of speech, which is a fundamental right uh, under our great constitution. And so to see someone that we're, we are so used, our country is so used to seeing those with power taking such an anti-constitutional approach because they are only in it for themselves but his persona is one of sacrifice right i think he owns a fifty thousand dollar home uh he doesn't own a car Uh, this is a guy he's you know he's practically homeless but the most wealthy man in the world in fact he's a good and I don't want to draw too close of a comparison but only in this comparison it's actually a very good comparison on christ christ was homeless yet he was king of the universe he created the universe he's therefore the richest in all of everything heaven and earth and he was possessionless and he sacrificed and i think musk is a symbol of christ in that same uh uh, instance in him being the richest man in the world, yet at least from a presentation, at least his persona and how he wants to be perceived is only owning one house and fifty thousand dollars is what it costs, and being driven around um, instead of owning a car. You know, you know. Being driven. Now maybe it's semantics, you know, and because he obviously owns a lot, and so I, obviously there is comparing. Plus, he's not sinless. That's obvious as well. And I'm sure you can draw many other differences, but I think that that's a symbol of that sacrifice uh, and how important it is in the world Uh, that Christ changed the entire world through sacrifice and the most influential person ever uh, through sacrifice. And Elon Musk as well, sacrificing his reputation, his money, to be able to fight for what he believes in. And so I think he teaches us something about the importance of sacrifice in in a good way for a worthy cause. And um, you know, the military teaches that uh, to when we're fighting a foe to, uh, to protect our constitution essentially. And so I can see from that standpoint of, of it being a worthy sacrifice to protect our constitution. So I think he's again, I'm a fan of his as well. I think that he, um, JP, um, as well as Paggio, Jonathan Paggio, um, Joe Rogan, um, uh, Lex Friedman, I think those guys, uh, and there's many more, uh, Ben, uh, you know, Shapiro, uh, you know, all of the Exodus crew, uh, even though there's some overlap there, I think that those men are helping us to, to establish tradition and not all of the, and, and they're, they're Republican and Democrats. And they're, So it's from a very broad spectrum, but I think that they see that our country struggles with male leadership. And so they are being an example to our country on this is what male leadership is, which is have logical arguments, make your bed. Christianity is important, or at least religion or tradition is important, right? Even because you can't expect everyone in the world to be a Christian. That's just not going to happen. It hasn't happened. Uh, maybe it will in the future. I, I don't know, but it, I, it should, that's not the way that the world works, right? You can't expect everyone to be Islamic, right? And so they can't approach it only in the form of Christian. Now, for me, it resonates very well because I'm a Christian, but yeah. that group that is kind of uh, impacting our, our society norms and cultures right now, mm-hmm. specifically speaking to men, which I think is very important, um, teaching them how to be husbands, teaching them how to be hard workers, taking on responsibility—you know—I I think that they're doing a, a great service for country and the world.
1: I, I forget how you got on that, but uh, it's good.
0: Well, you asked me if I was a fan. So I just
1: European had
0: to explain peace. myself. European.
1: Yeah. So, you, in your mind, those guys, even with your disagreements with them on certain areas, that's they're a net positive.
0: You know, I think we here. have
1: to learn how to say that's
0: a difference that you have. That's, and that's perfectly fine. And I, and I think that – and and sometimes we might even think something's sin, but just say, you know what? What's sinful for me might not be for them. Right? If, if I struggle with eating day. pork – well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it depends on the sin. But like say for food, for example, or smoking cigars or drinking whiskey or – and so you, I think you just have to be mindful on, on what they would consider. And so, but, but that brings up a point on considering differences. And if we can consider difference and maul it over and not have a response to it unless we're asked for one, I think that'll help us develop relationships to where we can actually have real
1: discussion. You know, it's about relationships. So, like, not every hill is a hill you die on.
0: Uh, I think okay, very rarely do you, you get to die once. And so pick the biggest hill. And that's going to be Jesus is Lord. Yeah. Yeah. But if Jesus is Lord, then that allows me to love someone else and consider their agreement or their argument.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Um, what do you, uh, any books you're reading right now?
0: Yes. Uh,
1: the Bible. Of course,
0: uh, Hebrews reading. I um, absolutely love it. Um, and uh, I'm also reading Matthew Pajot's, uh "The Language of Creation." Um, I'm rereading it. I finished it uh, about a month ago and rereading it again. I just about done with it. I'm, I am going to reread it again. Uh, it's that good. It's, um, it's, it's how you grow up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how, to, how else to describe hmm. it. It it explains.
1: What's it like? What's it about? Like walk us through the. I don't want to
0: oversimplify it, but I can't make it too precise. Um, it's about the ability to interpret uh, essentially Genesis, but you can es- extrapolate it into all of the Bible, but it's explaining that there are symbols and there are recurrent themes. And, um, and these symbols are essentially God's evidence of the symbol that's being shown, and these symbols are usually shown through order or chaos, right? And um, and then you can break that up into bad bad order, tyranny, good order, you know, a properly balanced individual, uh, chaos, right? Mm. And so I don't want to get get too much into those terms because I'm only using them because they can apply so in so many different different areas and how I mean, it's essentially a new structure and way to how to think through the world and, and think through the world meaning, looking for symbols and patterns that properly connect heaven and earth, properly mediate heaven and earth. Um, so essentially heaven being wisdom, so the wisdom of the Bible properly being understood earth, Right. And if it's done by man or, or woman correctly, that properly me- mediates the wisdom and understanding and it produces knowledge. And so uh, that knowledge is then given into. And if it's good knowledge, then it prospers the land around you. It prospers in an individual. Right. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. I then go and I uh, rake my neighbor's yard and I and I knock on the door and I say, I- can I do anything else for you? So an act of love, you know, that properly mediates between a a verse, a command with my actions. And so that's like half of half of a chapter and there's like 60 chapters in this thing. So there's a lot of lessons. Um, But uh, but it's a very short book, too.
1: Gotcha. So are things kind of bite-sized in it, like concepts? Bite-sized.
0: Yeah, it's good enough. Uh, each chapter, the vast majority, with the exception, I think, of four, are only two, one, two, three, four pages. But oh. there are some that are like six
1: pages. Like I think, like I said, I think four chapters are six pages. Interesting. And is he is he Eastern Orthodox as well? Uh Orthodox? he's
0: Orthodox. I don't know okay.
1: if it's Eastern or what, but um, Easterns, I think. The the Broad term, okay, because so he's the same as his brother because mm-hmm. this is Jonathan, Joe's uh, brother, right? Correct. Matthew correct, yeah,
0: um, yeah, yeah, and there's so much, there's so much imagery even just with those two brothers, yeah,
1: they're really like into symbolism, and the, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, and that's that's his that's his book because one's an icon carver, Jonathan, and then um, Matthew is uh, just a genius prophet, priest. You name it, um, and he's he kind of symbolizes wisdom in heaven. He's very thoughtful, whereas Jonathan symbolizes earth. He understands very much. He's a woodcutter. I mean, so he's very into the things with his hands and the creating. Matthew is very, you know, uh, esoteric a little bit almost, um, and uh, very high thinking. Now he has understanding, and he can explain it in a very profound, simple way. Uh, but I think that they symbolize well those sort of, you know, heaven and earth
1: symbols and that that's see imagery that they kind of go through, or that he goes
0: through. So that's the imagery that you go through, and so then the question is, well, what what does this all mean? What purpose is is there any meaning into doing these? Yeah, and there is because if you if there's symbols of life in a certain place, like. In a church, right? If there's symbols, if you're looking and you're paying attention and there's symbols of life, then there will be life in the church. I know that's very simple, but it's also really profound. You start to be able to see the true meaning of things. Can you give me an example? So if if I didn't work for a week straight, and instead of working, I rested and I laid down, Laying down and resting is actually considered chaotic because when you're awake, your eyes are open, you're standing up, your head properly connects to your body and meaning that you can, you know, I can, if I tell my fist to move forward, it moves forward exactly where I tell it to. Whereas when you're resting or you're asleep, the ultimate form of rest, your mind is disconnected from the body. Strange things happen. You know, your body, your mind cannot tell the body what to do. So the image is when I'm resting, when I should be working, that's the image. What happens? Well, since I'm resting, I'm producing chaos. Chaos will occur in my work if I am not working hard and bringing order instead of resting when I should be working or even working when I should be resting. It can bring... It can bring tyranny into a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so there's the reason why it's important to understand symbols in my life is to maintain proper mediation. Because when you balance or you mediate properly, that's when you're, you're not a double-minded man. You have peace with the Lord. You can go to him, you know, and pray without you know, a double-sided heart. Does that make sense?
1: Maybe. Um, I, it's interesting because it, we almost I would think of rest as more of a in a more passive sense almost but I think I, I understand where, the, where, they're, where he's emphasizing the difference because to me resting would be passive but if you're actively choosing rest over work not having them in the right relationship then that's when you're willfully or actively creating chaos, so to speak. Yeah, no, I think that you have it right. Yeah, Yeah. Um, I
0: think you said that right. Because it's a symbol for the particular circumstances. And that's why you need wisdom to be able to understand what's going on. You have to be awake and paying attention. Your eyes need to be alert, right? You need to be, otherwise, if you were asleep, eyes closed, you
1: couldn't properly mediate what's going on. It's almost like, This is bringing back some sort of, and I haven't read it, so I can't comment, but it seems like it's bringing back a spiritual or almost esoteric meaning into everyday things. Because I think, and maybe that's needed, because... We've become too scientific. Well, in our culture, yes, we are very scientific, very pragmatic, very materialistic. You know, even in Christianity, we we think of our... Um, like we can kind of divorce the body from the soul,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, in a sense. Like we spirituality is all about the soul and something else, and it doesn't affect us what we do yeah. in the real world yeah, with yeah, our, that's bo- a red, with red our bodies. Yeah, yeah, exa- that's exactly yeah. what it is. That's right. That's yeah. interesting because I'm like because some some people will probably hear this and be like, "Well, that just sounds weird." And then others might be hearing that and saying, wow, that's can, like, it's bringing back some meaning to, to what you do just normally what you do with your body.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, to, to continue on what you're saying about the, the, from the scientific standpoint and we need both, by the way, we need that balance between both the heaven and the earth, right? The science and religion, even um, we need it both to be working together. When you look at history and you look at when it exploded so with so much fruit was when science and religion, like back in Newton's, right? I mean, they were, they were believers yeah. right? because at that time, you know, um, symbolism and uh, was was and, and meaning and, and iconography, um, not, that, not that you create idols, right? Your heart can create idols with or without a carving. So that's not what is being taught but instead is to understand the purpose behind an object. And you start to, to to say certain things are sacred again, which is bringing the kingdom of God to heaven. Whereas science Bring it to earth. has become a tyranny with where we are today to where it's re-stated um, what creation is, which is a creation without God. And that still doesn't even make sense or line up with yeah. the laws of physics. So, um, and so you have re, you've replaced God in creation. You've uh, replaced God in devotion and worship with technology. You know, you've replaced, um, you've replaced tradition, um, by calling it wrong and bad. You've replaced tradition with, um, holidays that aren't even celebrated anymore, you know, um, and so when you start talking about symbolism, you start to insert purpose into objects. Doing that is not idolatry. What we do it in our heart is idolatry, but doing that and saying that this is important, right? Or graveyards are bad, right? That's a symbol of death. Stay out of graveyards, right? That's a no doubt, but maybe it won't be. Maybe they start saying that they... Uh, Maybe we start to accept that graveyards are just any other type of playground, you know. And the reason why I'm using that example is is to remain on symbolism. Graveyards are death. You don't play in death, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You play okay. in life. So it's out in the open. It's sunny. It's that's where you have your. This this might not
1: be a new idea. I don't think this is a new idea. I'm sure I've heard it somewhere, but. Seems to me like the science and the pragmatism of our day is kind of like another Tower of Babel where we're trying to reach God, like through our own, through the means that He has not ordained. Yes. You know? um,
0: Tower of Babel like you or you Nephilim got, or if you, giants. If you've, or, or, you've, got, if yeah, you've got Elon Musk
1: unsignificant. Unset- like, say, say Elon Musk is unfettered and you know does not have the. Good of well, we we he says this, we assume he has the good of humanity at heart, you know.
0: That's no, why, he's, I know.
1: that's why, I mean, that's what he says, that's what he claims, right? He's trying to build rockets to expand to Mars and all that sort of thing. Um, I was just kind of, as you were talking, I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, instead of bringing heaven down, bringing the kingdom of God to earth, in, in a sense, is what Jesus did. They're trying to ascend to godhood, you know, and that's what. Tower of Babel, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so yeah, um, but so this that's so the symbol of uh, Tower of Babel is the stretching towards godhood, you know, and and trying to overreach, or, or essentially, that's why I said giant. Giant is the same reason. It's when your head becomes too high, almost sometimes quite literal, and your body becomes too low, and you get this elongation stretching, which is not natural in the form of a normal man, who are made in the image. <laughs> but Tower of Babel, so <laughs> then you get the stretching, and the, and the body, the bottom cannot support it, and so it collapses in on itself. So they're, Same thing with the giants, same thing with
1: AI. So they're even drawing out more, they, I mean, kind of referring to both the Pedro brothers, but they're drawing up even more symbolism in some places yeah. since um,
0: I think that they are properly drawing out the appropriate symbolism for what needs to be described today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, what was the, for the people on the podcast, what was the name of that book again?
0: Language of Creation by Matthew Paggio. Matthew Paggio. He's
1: Canadian. Yeah. Or French. Canadian, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll allow it, I guess. Yeah. We oui, um, oui. uh, Okay. Lightning Round. What Bible versions do you use? Uh, ESV. That's it. That's it? Yep. Just going to stick with the one, I guess. I guess yeah. you're the two.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've done NIV and
1: King James. and People, sometimes I think people Even the pressure, message, I think. That <laughs> was in high school. I was like, what sometimes people this? feel pressure to be like, I'm using like these seven different esoteric translations. and I'm not that smart. Yeah. I can barely even remember the ESV. Yeah, it's like most people, I think most people probably use use the ESB in like...
0: I do because the church, the village uses
1: it, yeah. so, and um,
0: trust the elders.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, favorite author?
0: Uh, R.A. Salvatore. Okay. Uh, Driss Novels. The D&D, right? The... In the rights in the Forgotten Realms. Yeah, Driss Stewart and... Uh, Dark Elf uh, fought his way for his own, just to be accepted, you know, and lived the Ranger's life by essentially a Christian code. Um, although he was very self focused as well, kind of like a monk would be, you know. Um, but uh, I think he has like 36 books. I've read them all, oh, wow. some of them twice. And uh,
1: yeah, and he's still writing good stuff too. For the record, we're in a D&D group together. Yeah. We're going to have to do a completely separate podcast on all that
0: stuff. Oh, my goodness. So. <laughs> we can write novels with that. Yeah. I mean, the characters. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yes, we definitely should. Um, so, yeah, hobby, any hobbies, interests? Like what do you do for fun outside of spending time with family and work?
0: Um, hanging out with you guys. Uh, D&D, um, you know, kids are in sports. Uh, football player, soccer player, one in band, and one's a softball softball takes up the most time of all it's uh it's uh, but it's very fun all of them i really enjoy it. it gives a reason or an excuse for you to be with your kids more um and and so you get to be in proximity with them so you can kind of just check in see what's going on what's important in their life maybe share a lesson or two probably the same lesson you've already shared and Somehow they remember
1: them, but you don't anymore. So. <laughs> That's how it is when you get older. Yeah, <laughs> they start calling you out on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks. We'll, thanks definitely, for having me. we'll definitely do a follow up on D and D and you know all that sort of thing. So sounds good. Thanks, yeah, buddy. Awesome. And for everyone, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, then please like the video and subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out a lot. Uh, we're trying to get to 200 subs, you know, at some arbitrary point in the future sooner rather than later. Uh, Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And before you go, if
0: you like, make sure you smash that like button. And if you haven't subscribed, (laughs) hit that subscribe button. This is Debo. I'm out.